Happy weekend, boxing fans. CombatTalk.fm, back with another update. I did a couple of updates on YouTube, by the way, if you didn't catch those. You can find us on YouTube at Combat Talk Radio. I don't do a lot of them because most stuff's not worth doing. And I don't do it on the, every single episode because we find that the, like our Omnibus podcast episodes, don't get as many views as the specific topical ones that we do. So we did one for the fight recently apparently signed between Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia. Definitely check that one out with my analysis and my call on that one, as well as Tiafima Lopez, who calls himself the takeover, uh, putting out a boring show uh, against Jermaine Ortiz. People can say Jermaine Ortiz ran. The point is, we exposed clearly now. Sandra Martin was arguably Lomo was the first, and then Sandra Martin kind of solidified what we already knew, which is that Tiafima struggles with movers. That's the bottom line. If you're a mover, you're going to give him fits, which reminds me again, a lot of Manny Pacquiao reminds me of Provodnikov. Remember when Provodnikov, he was complaining because somebody was moving against him. I forget who it was, but he was complaining at one of the fights that, uh, you know, I'm not with all of that. I don't like that. That's, that's what Tio's doing. That's what Manny did. Some of these fighters, they don't know how to cut off the damn ring and do something better. So, you know, I'll say it again, Tia Fimo, if he ever goes to 147, you stay your ass away from Karin Jagazian because you're going to get outboxed. Let's talk about the fights for the weekend, as well as some fights that are happening throughout the week. There's smatterings throughout the week. I'm going to talk about the ones today, and there's a couple happening throughout the week. Uh, the top here, there's a lot, by the way, a lot of fights. And I'm going to go in reverse order this time because it's kind of country-specific. So this first one's in London, the UK, at the Copper Box Arena. It's on ESPN Plus in the U.S., TNT Sports in the UK, 12 rounds at lightweight action. That's happening here today, probably in a couple hours, I think. Might even be a little bit, I think it's in a couple hours, yeah. Probably about uh, six hours-ish, five, six hours. Lightweight action, uh, Sam Noakes versus Louis Sylvester. Great fight for what it is for the Commonwealth title. Both undefeated guys, both great fighters, young, in their prime. Very well-matched fight. This is one I think is worth watching. Neither are top guys. They're not like upper echelon dude so if you're only one that fights for the upper echelon guys this one's not going to impress you at all but i personally think it's a good fight because it's very well matched arguably equivalent experience you know uh, noakes has got more power noakes has knocked out everybody he's fought sylvester's more of a pure boxer he's not going to try to knock you out he's going to try to outbox you it's hard to call that one i'm leaning a little bit towards sylvester for only one reason and that's that noakes although he's knocked everybody out that he's fought Noakes has not really been tested against somebody with real skill like he is here. So I'm leaning a little bit towards Sylvester, not a lot. Good fight for what it is, though. Same arena, same event, 10 rounds at featherweight action. Masood Abdullah versus, uh, I think it's Kais Ashwak. I've never heard of Ashwak at all. Uh, Abdullah, I watched a couple of fights of his. He's undefeated. Uh, decent fighter. I wouldn't call him a great fighter. He's a decent fighter, orthodox. Um, they're pretty well matched. I think it's a good matched fight for what it is. Although Oshrock's coming off of a split decision loss, Oshrock's the southpaw. And from what I, what little I did see of Oshrock, I didn't, I wasn't overly impressed, but I think it'll be a decent fight for, you know, the UK fans to check that out. Same event, undercard, 10 rounds at light heavyweight action. Anthony Yardy makes his return. He's fighting Marco Nikolovic. Uh, Nikolic, sorry, Nikolic. Uh, Yardy frustrates me, man. He just, I, I think, I think with Yardy, my, my gut on Yardy is that he has been, he was one of those that was pushed a little bit too fast, a little bit too soon. So Yardy has three losses, but he keeps trying. And I give him credit for that one. He got 
he got a win most recently got a knockout in two that was out at Saudi if I recall and then prior to that he had, he essentially got stopped off the stool uh, it wasn't his fault it, it just when he steps to the highest level something goes something just goes haywire of what it is other than that he's a decent fighter it just he does not he's never hit that a level quality to be able to deal with guys like you might expect he should given his build and given his, his style he's a really good fighter <laughs> just not a great fighter and so you know Nikolic what I saw he's coming off of a brutal stoppage loss I I'm not impressed with Nikolic at all and this looks like a rebuild fight for Yardy but I would classify this as a mismatch because although they have the same number of losses although they're roughly the same age although the height and reach is roughly the same they're both orthodox and the whole nine like, even in terms of when they started, it's roughly the same. It's just levels. There's levels to the skill where I, I'll classify this as a mismatch. But if you're a Yardy fan, definitely check it out. Uh, Nikolic, we have to see what he's got to bring. I don't think he's going to have anything for Yardy, in my personal opinion. Then we're going to switch over to uh, Russia. And this is obviously fresh off of the interview with Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson, so it's timely. Uh, Catherine Berg. 10 rounds at lightweight action. This is only on YouTube, by the way, so it may be actually free. I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, Zauro Abdulalov fighting Roger Gutierrez. Uh, Abdulalov I am familiar with. Uh, he had that one loss that was kind of shocking, surprise. Other than that, he's been on a dominant streak. And he's a good boxer. He's not a knockout, but just boxing skill. He's on a dominant streak. He got stopped in that fight. And I I thought was a sh that was a shocker to me. I didn't expect what I saw. <laughs> when it happened and he was being really hyped at the time. And I remember that whole sequence back then he was being hyped at the time. And then he got that derailed him a little bit, but he's been recovered really well. He got stoppage just most recently. Other than that, he's been dominant. So I think Abdullah is one to still watch, even though he had that little, you know, brief speed bump in the lightweight division. He's one to watch and Gutierrez. He's young, but Gutierrez has been on a steep, steep freaking decline. And I think it's really just, I think it's his style. His his boxing style never lent itself to long term in the business because he just got stopped most recently. And it was a bit of a war. You know, it's not like he, you know, quit or anything. He just, I think he's on a decline. And so I would be shocked if he was able to have anything for Abdullah. I think Abdullah is going to just blow this dude out. That's my call. Who knows? Maybe I get that wrong. Same event, same venue on YouTube, 10 rounds at super lightweight action. Carson Argra fighting Marcelino Lopez. Marcelino Lopez, I'm a big fan of his. He's a he's one of those regional fighters. He's gotten some exposure and he's a little bit older, but he's a he's a fun boxer to watch. I, I like him, you know, his style when he's in the ring. He comes off of a knockout win. I didn't know anything about uh, Argba. I still don't know anything about Argba, other than that he's undefeated. He's young. He's a southpaw, which will play in, but he is giving up a significant reach advantage as Argba. So I still don't think Lopez is going to have anything for him of what little I did see. I think this is going to come down to just skill on skill. I think that, you know, Lopez should, he should, in terms of experience, be able to deal with him. I think he's going to make a mistake and get caught. It's my gut speaking on that one. Same event, undercard, eight rounds of lightweight action, also on YouTube. Uh, Vilda Minizov versus Issa Shanyev. I'm surprised at the amount of uh, fights coming out of Russia, but I'm not going to criticize the number of fights. Uh, this one's a unique one. I couldn't find very much footage on either of these. Uh, Shanyev, I, I did see, and I wasn't impressed with what I saw. He's coming off of a three-fight loss streak, one of which was a stoppage. 
brutal stoppage. Other than that, I wasn't really psyched about this fight. If you're into, you know, boxing in general, you can check it out if it's on YouTube. I think it's not, there's no charge. Uh, the at symbol, if you do want to check it out, by the way, is RCCMMA. That's who you're going to find on YouTube for that event. Now we're going to switch to Greenwich in the UK. Uh, 12 rounds of super featherweight action. Liam Dillon versus Reese Bellotti. I know both fighters, uh, Commonwealth, uh, British, BBBOC fighters, uh, mostly have been regional the vast majority of their career. Uh, Bellotti has way more experience and rounds in the books. When I say experience, rounds in the books. Uh, Bellotti's a power puncher. Bellotti had a, he was, so the story on Bellotti that I saw was he had, he, I don't think he was pushed wrong. It just seemed like he met the wrong style and it just derailed him for a bit. He, he started to hit this period where he was just getting beat with ease and nobody knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> you know, even back-to-back -back stoppage losses, like it was just weird. And then all of a sudden he was rebuilding and it seemed like he had gotten it. So it seems like he's got the heart for the business is my point. But I don't know necessarily that his, that his, either his mind or his body, one of the two is not keeping up with his heart. I don't know which one it is. Given what I just said and given what little I did see of Dylan, I'm leaning Dylan to possibly, not not guaranteed, but possibly just completely dominate uh, Bilotti. I'm talking decision. I don't think that Dylan's going to get a knockout. I think it's going to be a dominant decision where Bilotti just gets completely out outclassed and embarrassed. I hope I get it wrong because Bilotti's a cool dude, but that's what I see from just the patterns of both fighters. Same round, same venue, uh, same event rather, same venue, 10 rounds at super flyweight action, women's action, Shannon Ryan fighting Emma Dolan. Uh, fan of both gals, they're reasonably newish to the business. They've not been fighting very long, young. Uh, I think they only got like 12 or 13 fights between the two of them. Uh, both orthodox, uh, neither are knockout artists. Like Ryan, has, she's had six fights and she's never knocked anybody out at all. Uh, Dolan had one, I believe it is. And that one, I, I wouldn't even, <laughs> that one wasn't, that was less about the opponent. That was more about the opponent than it was about her. Like, I don't know. So if you like women's action, it's probably worth fighting for the boxing of it. But please don't expect a slugfest on that one. I'm not even going to try to predict what's going on there. Okay, that one's going to be next week. And I'm going to talk about it, even though it's next week. This is next week, Friday coming up. Uh, this is in Madison Square Garden in New York. 12 rounds at Super Featherweight Action. Oshaki Foster fighting Abraham Nova. And I've covered Oshaki Foster on a couple of occasions. And this is ESPN Plus in the U.S., Sky Sports in the U.K. And every time I cover Oshaki Foster, I get pissed off because the dude's got something there. Like, he's composed. Now, in his last fight, obviously, somebody had to wake his ass up. But I see something there. It just feels like wasted. And it feels like he's wasted. It feels like his, his energy is not where it needs to be, where he could b levels above and he's not and that has resulted in the two l's that he took that he really shouldn't have taken but it's just he put a stamp on it he just doesn't do that and so if he doesn't he gets taken clipped taken out whatever and i don't want to see that from him he's never been stopped when i say taken out i mean beaten l but when you watch him it's like the skills there he's not he's giving probably 70 percent of what he could be and I don't know if that's just risk aversion. I don't know if that's, you know, the power. He's nervous. I don't know what it is. I'm saying, as I've said other times, it's you got to put a stamp on it, dude. 
because in his most last fight, the, the, the boy damn near got stopped. He got the stoppage in 12, but that was after he damn near got stopped. Well, the fact that he got the stoppage in 12 meant, and I saw it, he could have got the stoppage before that, but he, he coasts early and it's fucking frustrating. So I'm going to say this now, okay? I've watched Abraham Nova. I, I'm a big fan of Abraham Nova. Abraham Nova is one of those dudes where taking him out means you you capitalize on a mistake that he made. It, it's not, he's got the skill, okay? He's got the power, certainly. He's got enough in what he's doing to deal with you if you let him. But if you can capitalize on a mistake, you can take him out. His only loss, he got knocked out. His only loss is he made a mistake and he got knocked out for it. Other than that, from what I saw, he is he has not come close to getting dealt with because he if if the person across from him can't capitalize on the mistakes that are there, like the mistake is still there, but they're not good enough to catch it. If you're not good enough to catch that mistake, this dude is a threat for Oshaki Foster. I'll say that. So again, if Foster's listening, I know and some people actually reached out and said, you know, I'm sending this to him because it's good analysis. If Lostra gets ever to hear this, put a mother father and stamp on what you're doing. Do not try to coast against this guy. If you try to coast against Abraham Nova, you might actually get beat again. And this time by possibly a stoppage, like a ref stoppage. I wouldn't say knockout, but like a ref stoppage. Put a stamp on this one because I do think you've got enough talent to beat Abraham Nova. But you're going to have to work. You got to work on this. And if you don't, I don't think it's going to end very well for you, son. I, I Like, this is a good fight. <laughs> it's a good fight. It's a great fight. I just, Foster has not done what I think he should do to show that he is what people think he is. And this is the wrong opponent to be half-assing against. And I'm going to leave it at that. Same venue, uh, 12 rounds at Super Featherweight Action. Again, this is next Friday. Andre Cortez fighting Brian Chevalier. I've covered Chevalier. I covered his last fight. A great, great dude. Got a knockout win. Uh, Cortez is coming off of a, a win streak, dominant win streak. It's matched really well. Uh, roughly same rounds of the books. Uh, they debut close to the same time. Chevalier has a bit of a height and I think a reach advantage over Cortez. Cortez is undefeated. Uh, both orthodox. I, I think it's a good fight. It's a really good fight for what it is. Um, people will look at Chevalier's one loss where he got knocked out and say that this is going to happen again. It could. That's absolutely a possibility. But I think Cortez or Chevalier rather has recovered nicely from that knockout. It seems like he's reinvigorated, re-energized, and wants to try to make a statement. And if you're going to make a statement, this is the dude to try to do it against. I would say power, the advantage is Chevalier by far, from what I saw. I would say skill, the advantage is Cortez. I said, this is a very good matched fight. If you get to check out a fight, check this one out. I think it's going to be a bar murder for However long it lasts, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended in a uh, knockout, not just a stoppage, but a knockout, because I think these are two guys that have something to prove, and I think it'll be a good fight for what it is. Same venue, 12 rounds at featherweight action. Bruce Carrington fighting Bernard Torres. Uh, Carrington, I'm a fan. I watched his fight, watched his rise. He's a, he, he recently debuted. He debuted like three years ago. He's a real cool kid. Uh, it seems like he has his head on straight. <laughs> he's not reaching too hard, but he's he's skilled. He's very quality. He's not a... Knockout artist. He's a skilled boxer. Uh, Torres is a skilled boxer as well. Torres is a southpaw. 
but Taurus is giving up a significant reach advantage, a significant height advantage. I'm I'm worried uh, for that because Taurus otherwise is quality. It's just I think Carrington has every advantage in this fight where Carrington's going to completely dominate the fight. I, I could get that wrong, but I don't see any reason why Carrington does not easily win this inside the distance. As a, you know, at the featherweight level, yeah, I see easy inside the, the distance. We'll see on that one. I think it's a good fight if you want to check that out. Now we're going to switch over. It's the same Feb February, but we're switching over to uh, Osaka, Mexico. 12 rounds of junior flyweight action. This is on DAZN in both U.S. and the U.K. Adrian Curiel versus uh, Noshinga. Noshinga, of course, I had covered a while ago. I'm a big fan of his. He got knocked out in his last fight, and I was really, I was disappointed to see that that happened, but I knew that there was a strong probability that something could go terribly wrong with his recovery. Uh, and it seemed like, it seemed like, it seemed like there was nothing wrong with Nachinga himself. It seemed like he just, again, levels, you know, levels of what it was and he got dealt with and it happens to the best of fighters. Meanwhile, with Curio, Curio, he's been on a slight decline. He's still a young dude, but he had this stretched where he just couldn't pull the trigger. So here's the story. So he's, he got two wins back to back. Most recently got a knockout, got a stoppage. But before that, it went to a, a draw. So he's had like, it's like Arislandi. It's like not Arislandi Lara, but well, kind of like Arislandi Lara. It's like, <laughs> there's just these close, weird losses that he's taken. And there was a stretch of them. And then he, he seems to have recovered, but I don't know if his head's all the way back. I guess is where I'm going. I don't know if his head's all the way back. And if, you know, against Noshinga, you got to be there hundred percent of the time. Because Nanshinga has enough to take you out if you're not careful. I'm leaning Nanshinga on this one. Uh, it's possible Nanshinga gets a knockout. I can't say for sure, but I'm leaning Nanshinga. Most agree except the fact that Curio is from uh, Mexico, and this is taking place in Mexico where Nanshinga could get robbed. So keep an eye on this one to see if there's a sketchy decision. But I want Nanshinga to just deal with it. You know, handle it, make it clear. Don't leave any doubt in anybody's mind. Same event, 12 rounds at featherweight action. Mauricio Lara makes his return against Daniel Lugo. And Mauricio Lara, of course, I, I know very well he lost uh, his most recent fight. He got dominated, actually, last week. I say he got dominated. Other people don't. I say he got dominated. That's what I saw, period. You mean, whatever. Cut out of me. So, but, you know, Lugo, Lugo, I watched some footage of him. He has skill, but he is flawed, heavily flawed. He doesn't. I think he has defensive lapses. He doesn't seem to keep it together under fire. And when shit's coming at him, he seems to just drop unnecessarily hands and that, you know. So <laughs> there it's a matched, it's a well-matched fight for what it is. Numerically speaking, it's like the perfect matchup. But it's a it's almost a mismatch. It's not a mismatch, but it's almost a mismatch just because Lugo has those defensive lapses that makes it where I can't see Lara not winning. Like, it's weird. Now, all that said, it's not that Lugo doesn't have the skill to beat Lara, because he does. But he's got to be on his game 100% of the time, bell to bell. If he lapses any bit of it, I can see Lara catching him and forcing a stoppage. So, again, that's my call, is I, I don't know how to predict it other than Lara is expected to beat Lugo, but that's assuming Lugo has the same defensive lapse and he doesn't get caught with something. 
so it's like a conditional call. I can't clean call that one because, again, Lugo's got the skill. He just he fucking drops the ball every time that he's lost. He's dropped the ball, and Lara's one you cannot do that against. So that one's interesting to see. Same also in February. We're going to switch over now back to Plant City. This is now back in Pro Box TV. Shout out to Pro Box TV, by the way. Definitely give them a shot. They're, some of these fights are actually free, so you can go to ProBoxTV.com. And sign up an account and watch these events. And I do recommend supporting them. They support the ring girls. They support these up-and-coming fighters. And they've been putting on a hell of a fight. So, you know, it's a little ghetto. But, hey, free fights. So, uh, 10 rounds at super bantamweight action. Uh, Israel Picasso for fighting Ramon Cardenas. And Cardenas, I've talked about him on a past episode. He's a good dude. Uh, Picasso I hadn't heard of. I checked out some footage. He's a young guy. He already has way more losses than I'm comfortable with. But it's because he's fought like a lot. He fought a lot back to back to back. And I think he just, he's staying active. He's staying busy in the ring, which is good for a developing fighter. You actually want to build up a lot of fights. Most of them are regional, you know, like Canelo's early career, but you still want to have that activity in the ring because it makes you better. You learn from every single fight you have, whether you win or lose. So if you're really about it, you're going to keep on going and going and going. And that's one thing I did see that I think actually favors Picasso is the idea that he has levels of experience over rounds and rounds and rounds, even though they debuted at the same time, he's got significantly more rounds in the books than Cardenas. Now Cardenas from a skill perspective is far superior to anything I saw of Picasso by far and away. So I think Picasso will have his moments is my, uh, is where I'm going. I think he'll have his moments. I think Cardenas is going to deal with him. I think Cardenas is going to stop him. After Picasso has moments, I think Cardenas is going to close the deal. That's what I expect to happen. But I'm not dismissing the probability that Cardenas makes a mistake. Because, you know, Cardenas has got experience. It's not that he doesn't. But, again, Picasso has so many more rounds in the books that he would have possibly learned some crafty things that might help him in against this kind of a threat of an opponent. It's a really good fight for what it is. It's not a mismatch. It's numerically... Very well matched. It's just that the rounds is you can't ignore the amount of rounds in the books Picasso has. And from my expect, expectation here, ten rounds of super lightweight, same venue here. Jesus Saracho fighting Starling Castillo. I, I had not heard of Starling Castillo. I think I saw the name somewhere floating around. I had not heard of him. I checked some footage. He concerns me a little bit. Let me get to that in a minute. Let me talk about the, the numbers and Saracho. So. On the numbers, it's a decently matched fight, decently well-matched fight, you know, roughly same height, roughly same reach. They're both young guys. Uh, Sriracho's way younger uh, than Castillo. Sriracho debuted, I think he was like four years ago he debuted, and then Castillo's been in the business, I want to say like seven years, eight, seven years. Uh, in the game, roughly the same amount of rounds in the books, and that surprised me, at least. I wasn't expecting that, but no problem. Uh, both have one loss, both have one draw, so... From the numbers and their level and their rise, it's a really evenly matched fight. I think it is. Now, both are power punchers. So both are ones, I'd say boxer punchers is probably fair. So both are ones where if they get an opportunity to get you, they're going to get you. I'm going to lean towards Sriracho. And the reason I say that is because of what I saw at Castillo, which is that Castillo is one. I, I Castillo strikes me as a guy who, if he's in there with the right opponent, he looks amazing, but everybody else, you know, it's like the whole Nassim Hamed versus Barrera situation. You know, if, he, if he's in here against guys that will let him have his way, 
he'll have his way. But anybody else deals with him. And I say deals with him in terms of he's he's only lost one time, but this is just the visual. It's going off visual. It's not going off pattern. It's the visual is that the right or the wrong, I guess, style will expose him because you have to fight his fight in order to make him look good. It's hard to piece that. Whereas Sriracho, Sriracho seems to look decently good against almost everybody he's in there against. With the only exception I saw being speed. And I don't know that Castillo's got the speed to deal with Sriracho. I think this is a good fight to watch. And again, Pro Box, give them a shout out, give them support, and see if I got that one wrong. I'm, I'm leaning towards Sriracho on that one for sure. Now we're going to switch. This is now back to today. We're going to switch to the Copper Box Arena in London, the UK again. 12 rounds of middleweight action, ESPN Plus in the US, Skies or TNT Sports in the UK. Hamza Shiraz versus Liam Williams. Of course, Hamza Shiraz is the other one that fancies himself the next coming of Nassim Hamid. And that's, I got concerns on that one. I'll come back to that one. Liam Williams is a veteran in the game. He's only 30 years old, but he's, and he doesn't have a lot of fights, but I'm saying veteran in terms of who he's fought. He's fought a who's who in the business. He's highly regarded as a fighter. He's coming off two stop stoppage wins, and he's a really good fighter. I don't think he's got anything for Shiraz. Shiraz is quality. Shiraz is only, my only beef with him, and, and by the way, I'll get to the numbers here in a second because I want to talk about one point. My only beef with Shiraz, I think Shiraz has too big of a head. I think that he is, it, it's kind of like the whole Eubank business. You know, Eubank, he takes L's that he shouldn't take because he has too big of a head. That's what I, that's what I sense from Shiraz. Shiraz has never lost and never come close to losing, but that's because he's not stepped up to the top level this is the closest he's smelled the top level, and Liam Williams is not the top level. So I'm saying I don't think Williams has anything for Shiraz. I think that once Shiraz steps up, he's going to get exposed because I think he's got too big of a head. That's all. It's not dinging him his skill. I think the skill's there. I think he's just too big of a head, and they're possibly pushing him a little bit too hard, too fast from my lens. Numerically, though, you know, it's a decently matched fight. They're roughly the same. I mean, you know, Shiraz has a slight height advantage and I think a slight reach advantage, and that's about it. But other than that, numerically, I think it's well-matched for what it is. Obviously, Williams has more rounds of experience and more years in the business. And that may be to, you know, Williams' detriment because Williams has, I think he has a total of, I want to say, like 30 fights, something like that. And then Shiraz has a total of 18 fights, I believe. And so, okay, so Williams has twice the fights, Twice the fights, even though, you know, Shiraz, Williams, rather, he debuted in 20, uh, what, 2010, 2011, whatever the fight. So 14 years, and he only got like 30-some-odd fights. That's not enough. And so that's that's part of the reason why Williams was never able to really get past a certain glass ceiling, because he was not busy enough during his career. And yeah, I think he had stretches of injuries, so I don't blame all of it, but I'm saying that, that pace wasn't going to cut it. Meanwhile, if you look at, Shiraz, Shiraz, I think he's seven years in the business, so roughly he's about two fights a year. I think he needs to step it up too. He's got to, you know, some of these fighters, they got to get to a three-year, three-per-year fight cadence so they can get the experience necessary to avoid what I sense will happen to Shiraz eventually. For the purposes of this fight, I don't see Williams have anything for Shiraz. That's my, I'm going to call that and see how it goes on that one. The last one I'm going to talk about here 
We're going back now to Thursday of this week, and we're going back to Commerce in U.S. Ten rounds of super lightweight action. This is back on the zone, and I left the best one. I think the best fight for last, which is the return of JoJo Diaz. <sighs> JoJo Diaz versus Jesus Campos. The reason I breathed out is because JoJo Diaz. You can't get another fighter that had such a steep, fast freaking decline from grace as JoJo Diaz. This guy was at one point up there, or at least talked about being up there with the upper echelon of the divisions he was fighting in. And for whatever reason, he just had a significant decline. It, it made no damn sense. It made no sense what the hell's, like, you, you think, what the hell's wrong with this dude? Is there something, like, medically wrong with him, mentally wrong with him, physically wrong with him? What's What's going on? And nobody really had a keen answer. I've got a theory, and it's only a theory. I think that when Jojo Diaz took his first loss, I think that the promotion behind him was so significant that it it fucked with him, fucked with his mind. And so when he started taking other losses, like against Gesta, for example, which he shouldn't have lost that damn fight, but against Gesta, it's a great example. Um, Zapata, you could argue, okay, that was just what it was, but, but he should not have lost against fucking Gesta. So I think the, the very first fight he lost just fucked with him. I think it just messed with him, and he is not he is not fully recovered. He had wins since, but not on a consistent basis and not when he steps up. This guy should be much more than he is because of the skill that we know is there. He doesn't go all in. Why that is, we don't know. I'm going to say this. Campos should have nothing for Jojo Diaz. Campos... Campos, if Campos wins three rounds, I'm saying this, if Campos wins three rounds, Jojo Diaz should hang up the fucking gloves. That's, again, that's what it is. Campos, from a skill perspective only, Campos has nothing for what Jojo Diaz should bring. If Campos wins three rounds minimum, Jojo Diaz should retire, even if he gets a W here. Even if he does, Campos has power. I got it. I understand. I'm, I'm sorry. It, no, Jojo has every other fucking advantage. He has the skill advantage. He's a fucking southpaw. He has a speed advantage. He has the age advantage, I believe. Or no, no, he doesn't. Sorry. Campos has the age advantage. Never mind. Going nuts. But he has every other advantage. He has every other fucking advantage. Campos shouldn't win. He shouldn't win more than three rounds. If he wins three or more rounds... Diaz should retire. I'm saying that what it is. So check that out on the zone and see if my call is way off rocker for what that is. That's what I got on boxing here. And again, do check out my coverage that I did on the two YouTube. I'm not going to talk about it here because that's going to be too long uh, about Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney. Should that actually pull out? I think that's going to be a good fight for what it is. And then Tia Fimo getting completely bamboozled by Jermaine Ortiz. So I'm going to need NSB and other places to stop calling out fights for Tia Fimo and Crawford and and if you notice, all these damn circus mismatches that Crawford wants while he's ducking boots are all falling by the wayside because, you know, he lied to you about a rematch with Spence because that's supposed to happen in December. Here we are in February. It ain't happened and no notice about whether it's going to happen. Apparently, he was going to fight Jermel Charlo. Jermel Charlo gets dominated by Saul Canelo. And so that's probably not going to happen. Tim Zoo's about to fight the, the ghost of Keith once upon a time Thurman. He might actually get embarrassed in that fight. And then Crawford's going to be throwing up his hands because he can't get that fight fucking either. 
And now you got Tia Fimo gets embarrassed by Jermaine Ortiz, which I told people was going to happen because you saw him against Sandro Martin getting embarrassed. So that's the bottom line is that Crawford, this is karma, folks. Crawford, he calls all these fuckers out, and then what happens? All of them get something happens. And then Canelo, by the way, he's backed into a corner. He needs to fight fucking Benavides. So I need NSB and everybody other places to get back on track. Okay, let's stop the circus mismatches. This is what we need to understand. Boots is there. He's available. He's got Crawford's belt. Go get your belt back. So let's get Crawford to answer that call. Go get the belt back. Make history. Become the first two-time undisputed welterweight champion. Just fight boots and get it done. Stop going after the circus mismatches. They're all falling by the wayside. All the dominoes have fallen over. That's karma. It's messaging. It's telling you this was never the right answer. It's time for you to step up and do what you need to do and make this shit happen for the fans.